0: Coming at you from coast to coast. It's the Real Deal Podcast. With your hosts, Ian Phillips and Cassie
1: Grimaldi. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Real Deal Podcast. My name is Ian Phillips. I write about movies. I talk about movies. I watch movies. I I live and breathe movies, basically. I'm here, as always, with my co-host, Cassie Grimaldi. Hey, Cassie.
0: Hi Ian. Um, Hi everybody. I write and talk about movies and TV.
1: So yeah, there you have it. And as always, um, we are going to use our combined brain power to talk about what's going on in movies and TV this week. All right. So let's uh, let's get started. With uh, we just have a little bit of uh, one news item to talk about. So. In our uh, continuing coverage of the late night wars, which is always a ridiculous term because there are real wars going on in the world, but that's just what they'll call it.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, so today it was uh, revealed to the nation that Chelsea Handler will be leaving her current talk show on E! in August and will be getting her own show on her own talk show on Netflix. Now... I guess not a lot. Chelsea Handler has a pretty big following. She's not, not necessarily from me. Like I don't. This isn't. That doesn't seem like the biggest news. But what the big deal is is that Netflix is going to be getting its own late night talk show, and mm-hmm. you could say there's a little bit of controversy because if Netflix can get a talk show, a late night show, then what does it mean to have a late night show anymore?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I think late night shows are top are every day usually we think yes. about them as and netflix but, yeah netflix has been releasing everything all their original content all at once and so I don't, I don't know i don't really think people go to netflix for i don't think they're used to going to netflix for like oh, no. necessarily daily stuff like they might go to hulu or um yeah something else
1: but um Crackle or Vimeo, YouTube, all those things.
0: Yeah. Um especially Hulu. I think Hulu definitely has like the market <laughs> share on topical daily stuff.
1: That that, that is what you might call in it. In
0: terms of over the top and in, and like DVRing and stuff. Yeah. So um
1: but it just yeah. yeah. I I've actually I'm kind of I have kind of wanted to see Netflix try and release a show week to week instead of just all of them at once because that, that I just want to see what that's like because I think binge watching can be a great thing and some shows are meant for that but sometimes it's it's too much and I guess this is a little off topic but like when you look at shows like Orange is the New Black binge watching makes it really hard to have a conversation about a TV show because everybody is in a different place.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like I finished Orange is the New Black today and I tried to talk to people about it, and everyone was like, I want episode five, I want episode, halfway through episode you can, you two, can, You can't even yeah.
1: mention, you can't even just say, so I saw Orange is the New Black, and everyone's like, oh, no, 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 I've already, I haven't yeah. seen it yet, which is really difficult. But I think the thing with topical shows is that it's like everybody's on the same page, but also Late Night has becoming has been becoming also more and more, irrelevant because of the internet basically yeah. a monologue was useful in the 80s and the 90s and way before that because it caught everybody up on the news you can get monologue jokes all day on twitter now if you want exactly which is i don't i've talked about i talked i had an entire we had a whole episode where i talked a lot about how much we both love pete holmes and unfortunately he's getting canceled and the best part about his show was that instead of a monologue he did stand up which was so like every episode was kind of like timeless mm-hmm. so you didn't just have to watch it the day of but i was reading an interesting article from vulture where they were basically saying that that also hurt pete holmes's show because you just kept saying to yourself oh i can go back and watch it anytime and then you
0: would forget Never to watch it did. But, yeah so- i mean i usually watch like the tonight show and the daily show and colbert the next day because I don't like to stay up late at night, <laughs> because I'm sixty-five years old inside. <laughs> but um, I don't, I don't think. Sometimes I forget to watch them. I'm like, oh, maybe I'll watch this episode because I had a good guest, and then the whole episode is really boring because they do the same. They talk about the same news events all week long, and I don't know. Mm-hmm. You have like last week tonight with John Oliver. Which is great. And- which is great, but, and it comes out week to week, and I like John Oliver, I like that format because it sort of gives time for a new story to come full circle.
1: Yeah, he talks about full, he talks about bigger issues, like, all together, not much broader.
0: Yeah, exactly, and he has, like, yeah, his whole exactly. Th- yeah.
1: <laughs> his whole thing about, I mean, his he had, like, the, like one of the last episodes he talked about f- corruption in FIFA, and in general just how horrible of a guy the dictator of Syria is, which are things that will be relevant for a long, long time. It wasn't just a day to day story about them.
0: Exactly. And so I don't know, I feel like Chelsea Handler she I think her show is really strong because Do you it's watch her show place... on e or have you watched I, it? I I used to wa- I used to watch it a lot actually. Um but um it's a nice place for comedians and stuff. I like. I I really like the panel format, and I don't know if she's going to keep that with Netflix. And that's what I was wondering, she, she talks a lot about pop culture and stuff. I guess that's sort of stating the obvious if you know who Chelsea Handler yeah. is. So,
1: and she was on uh, E. I don't know. But yeah, I don't. Yeah, like she could. I don't know. Like she doesn't normally do monologue type jokes, but I am really curious to see what?
0: Yeah, she doesn't ever do like a real monologue. She's but, just like... Yeah.
1: But she talks about topical things still, like, topical pop culture issues anyway. Yeah, she has
0: like a 30-second... I would I would call it like... It's like an intro to the show. It's like a 30-second monologue mm-hmm. where she... It's sort of like when um Colbert opens up and he says like, Tonight! I don't know. Yeah, yeah, everyone. I'm mansplaining for you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, mansplaining. Thank you for the mansplaining. But, um lost my train of thought there, but, uh, anyway, I don't, well, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't, I, I said that that's what we call a, a brain fart, folks. So, um, yeah, I don't know what Chelsea Hamlin would do with Leighton. I'm interested, oh, what I was gonna say was that it's really, she's been, I guess this is kind of inevitable, because there's also one thing that's kind of interesting to me, she's been in, antagonizing E in the news so much, saying that they're not really paying attention, or they're not letting her do what she wants to do. Um, she said that, basically, by going to Netflix, it's going to be like going to sit at the cool kids' table. She wants to see what the cool kids are doing. And
0: hmm.
1: just kind of a really silly press statement. Yeah. But she I, it just seems like she had a lot of power in this decision, which you wouldn't normally... I don't know.
0: Uh, I think... Um... It seems like when you hear people I've actually I don't think I've ever heard an interview or anything with n- Netflix people about how how they interact with people creating um original content no. but um it seems like from when people talk about going to Netflix for their original content Netflix is very hands off hands off down for anything Yeah Open-minded.
1: I mean, if you watch Orange is the New Black, then, like, you'll know that.
0: Yeah. So, but, um...
1: So she'll get a lot of freedom.
0: Hmm. But, it seems like they're like, yeah, totally. Just, like, come to our, like, weird little meeting like, somewhere <laughs> in California. And we'll totally make you, like, give you a show. It seems like all you have to do is call them sometimes. That,
1: that's exactly... I think anybody... It's a whole thing. Anybody can get a show now. Almost anybody. well, <laughs> oh. I just still... I just still, I'm just, what do you, do you think they should stick to the late night format or do something, I would love if they just did something completely off the wall, not expected, or, like, they made, because they really fit, like, with the rest of development, they took the half hour sitcom format and, like, put it out in, with the fourth season, they put it out in a new way that was, like, could only, you could only see it on Netflix.
0: I would call it. Call it like the basket weave format like what, it what, kept,
1: what, oh because everything kept connected. it just like
0: weaving itself into one thing even though it was like separate I hope it was, like I hope What seven hours long
1: it was something like that I mean every episode was a could be about forty minutes depending on length yeah but I just really hope they find some way to do that with the late night show and completely reinvent it because as I said before I love Late night TV and all the late night wars interest me, and I'm always at the edge of my seat when a new show or a new host comes out. But I just, I just want them to do something... <laughs> an
0: exciting way. I just
1: want them... Yeah, I, I, have, I have plenty of things to worry about, folks. But um, I just want them to do something interesting with it. So, Chelsea, make it cool. Keep it real, you know? Yeah. Um, okay, speaking of unconventional TV, let's move to Analog This... While everybody this week had all eyes on HBO to focus on the season four finale of Game of Thrones, including us at The Real Deal, um, we, that over at FX, the fourth season of Louis was also coming to a close. And guess what? We watched it, and we're mm-hmm. going to talk about it. Uh, just before we begin, first off, I'm going to say, I mean, you can't really, we're going to talk about some specific details here and there from Louis, but you can't really spoil it, so if you're not caught up, I think you should still listen anyways because we're going to talk about Louis as a whole in general. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so anyway, we're going to talk about Louis Season 4. So, Cassie, uh, Season 4 of Louis was, as every season of Louis is, is always very weird and random and unpredictable and interesting. Um, I thought this one was interesting because... In the past, Louis only like every once in a while will experiment with like multiple episode arcs. And this season, he kind of did it all. He had a few random episodes where things happen were never mentioned again. Then he had a six episode long arc. Then he had an episode that was an hour and a half long. And then he had three other episodes that were all connected but were split up throughout the season. Mhm. So, Which
0: one was an hour and a half long? That was called in
1: the woods. That was the uh, high school reunion oh. episode. I mean, it was a little shorter. If you don't, it didn't calculate. feel
0: like an hour and a half. No, it
1: goes. It, it it's paced very well. It's a really great episode of te- yeah. I mean, it's basically it's, it was the length. Watching it was like watching a feature film, and it was better than a lot of and more original than a lot of feature films I've seen mm-hmm. lately. Um. So in terms of this season of Louis, I as always I thought it was great. I don't know if it held up to seasons two and three, which were flawless throughout, but, like, when, you, when you're when you experimental, you always... It's always kind of hit or miss.
0: Yeah, um... I'm gonna... I'm gonna have an unpopular opinion right now, and... I'm gonna share a little bit about myself, which is that sometimes I don't really know if I like Louis that much.
1: Louis C.K. the person, or the show, or the both? The show. The show. It's, you know, it's... Uh, before, sorry, before you keep going, it's... I've been reading through TV consensus. And you know what? A lot of your opinions, not that unpopular. And there are people I know. think that, but, but continue. I'd like to hear your thoughts.
0: And a lot of times when I feel like I'm in disagreement with Louis or like Louis CK, the person. And, um, I feel like I'm, I worry about what, he, what he would think about what I would have to say a lot. Does that make sense? Um,
1: but you're worried that he would think about what you have to say.
0: Yeah, That's, like...
1: Like, you think he, like, you think he very much cares about what people's opinions are of TV shows, as if he takes it to heart, or is if he uses that criticism constructively?
0: I, I feel like he doesn't care what anybody has to say. Oh, no,
1: not at this and point. Th- he showed his well, ass on TV. I don't think he cares anymore.
0: Well, I'm just saying, like, I feel like he wouldn't want to hear what anybody has to say, and so sometimes... I feel guilty about having an opinion about it, and isn't that really weird? <laughs> it's, it, it is a <laughs> I little don't know. Odd.
1: I can understand what you mean, but I think it's okay to have an opinion on it. It's, it's TV, it's art. You're supposed to have opinions on things, and I think either a bad opinion is... Like, not liking something is better than having no opinion on something at all, and clearly you do have an opinion on it, so...
0: I just don't really know if I like it that much. And how I come? I feel like... Because I feel like similar things always happen, and I feel like um, it's not as experimental as everybody thinks it is. I feel like I've seen a lot of the things before, especially within the series. Mm -hmm. I can tell what's going to happen next, and I can tell what he's going to say next, because he's become sort of iconic. Like, every... I watched, like, five episodes today, Jeez. and I knew every big joke that was coming. I just already knew it. and Well, maybe you're just a it lot was smarter really than us. No, I'm not. Okay. Oh, <laughs> I'm kidding.
1: Um, You know, that's funny. I was thinking about that, and there is definitely a formula to every episode, which is something weird happens, then there's jazz. But Yeah. There, it's a basic formula, but it's a very loose template. Like, there's a lot of shows on TV that go by formula, like most conventional laugh track shows modern family where you know what's going to happen in any given episode but the thing is with louis it does have a format but it also it's a very loose one that leaves room i think for
0: i just don't find it particularly profound like everybody else does and i don't find it i find it not as clever as a lot of people do and i don't I enjoy it a lot of the time, but I don't always enjoy it. It sort of feels like a chore to watch, which, um, not isn't necessarily a bad thing. I think that, um, I don't know. I think you're making he's making a face. <laughs> so you, I just you just, say your opinion now. Just
1: a little bit of a face. I mean, your your opinions are not he's wrong shocked. At all. No. He's appalled. I didn't know because you we normally talk about it, and you seem to have good things to say about it, episode to episode, but. Maybe as a whole, looking back at it, it's different. This I think this season was not the strongest one. There were great moments, though. I think it is just... I mean, you can't just reward... It's true, you can't just reward something because it looks like art and talks like art and experiments with things, but I will say I enjoy every episode of Louis. I love watching it. I look forward to watching it from week to week because I feel like I don't know what's going to happen on it and that it definitely... It has repeat value, which not a lot of things do. Most things in our culture today, like we were talking about late-night television, are disposal. You watch it once a day of, it comes out, or you watch all 15 episodes in a day and it's done. But Lou, you come back to, and it's not laugh-out-loud funny, so you find the jokes yeah. later on. There's like there's one moment in the – so the, the finale is a two-parter. It's Pamela Part 2 and Pamela Part 3. And in Part 2, there's a part where they're in a really weird art gallery – And in the gallery, he pushes a button, and then something happens, which I can't repeat on this podcast, but I think it was one of the funniest things. I I was crying with laughter, and the rest of the episode is really serious.
0: Yeah, I really love... I like him as a person. I love his stand-up. I love a lot of things that happen make me laugh out loud, and it's not that I don't like the show, because it's not always funny, it's that... The same things happen over and over. It's a little bit like, um... It's a lot like Girls on HBO. I think that comparison
1: <laughs> has been made even by it's Louis like himself. the 40-year-old man
0: version of Girls. The
1: 40-year-old man version of Girls. It's weird because I've heard Broad City compared to Louis more than I've heard Girls compared to Louie.
0: Oh, no.
1: Just because of, like, the surreal quality. There's, like, a little bit of a, like, surreal quality to both shows, I think.
0: In a different way.
1: Yeah, in a, in a, a diff-
0: completely different...
1: Yeah. They're both about... This, they're, they're all shows about living in New York that present living in New York in very different ways. By the way, Louis mm-hmm. makes, somehow makes New York City look really beautiful from epi- in different episodes in different he ways. He makes it
0: look really beautiful, but he's totally unromantic about it. Yes, he's... Despite he's- all the long cinematic shots, it's completely... Ugh. Uh, not ugh. What? I didn't mean to even say that. Wow. What did you mean to say? It's, did you mean ugh or ugh? There's a
1: it's, difference.
0: It's completely... <laughs> it's sentimental, but in... I mean, it's uh, about... It is, in a dour it, way.
1: I mean, Boiled Down, it's a show about... Uh, it's, it's, it is Boiled Down. It's just a show about a guy trying to figure out how to raise his fam, How to raise his daughters and be a divorced dad. Mm-hmm. But like mm-hmm. it has, it does it in a, in a way that's different than most other shows.
0: Mm-hmm. It's
1: like any story, like every story is told more than once, but it's really good when somebody tells it in a different way. Mm-hmm. Your opinions are not wrong. I think this is the kind of show that's meant to be looked at from more than one angle like that. And some people won't like it and some people will.
0: I really like some some episodes. Did you like, what
1: did you think of the uh, episode in the woods? I think that was just like a... I love
0: that episode. What's... I didn't like the second half of it so much because I knew exactly what was going to happen. Because
1: you've heard, have you heard that stand-up joke?
0: I I haven't okay. heard. I actually hadn't heard the stand-up joke, but I have seen movies with drugs in them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I'll just be clear on that. So there's a Louis has a stand-up routine. I'm thinking ended up on any of his albums. You can find it on YouTube about when he was doing a lot of drugs in um middle school and he started stealing scales for a drug dealer in exchange for free weed and that's what this episode is about so i actually had this like weird little fanboy moment when i like heard the guy say something about stealing scales and i was like i know what this is i know what this is Mm -hmm. which i thought was funny but yeah overall louis is a show you'll have mixed reactions about because you're supposed to but i love louis she likes it sometimes. That's yeah, a, yeah. Disagreeing with things.
0: That is that. That is that. No. That. Now that, that, that does that what? That that that
1: that that wraps up analog this, for this.
0: And we'll be right back. Is that what happens next?
1: Yep, we'll say we'll be right back. <laughs> Don't turn that dial because when we come back, we're gonna have a review of 22 Jump Street. Everybody, welcome back to the real deal podcast it is time for real talk that is when uh we review a popular movie from the week this week we are going to be talking about 22 jump street 22 jump street's a movie i've kind of been looking forward to but also dreading and then really really looking forward to so tell us
0: walk us through your emotions
1: okay so 22 jump street is the sequel to 21 jump street which was a reboot of a TV show that nobody asked for, but ended up being on my top 10 list of 2012 because it was hilarious. Um, So then they decided, because it was so successful, obviously you've got to give it a sequel. So 22 Mm -hmm. Jump Street, um, we're back with Schmidt, played by Jonah Hill, and Jenko, played by Channing Tatum, who are now, as promised by the the end of the first movie, they're now going back to college. Um, So... I don't, it's hard to really go and explain the plot of 22 Jump Street because it is – the whole thing is a parody of itself, but it's basically the first movie but instead set in college, and that's the reason why I love it. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's basically like one of them falls in love with somebody they shouldn't. They have a fallout as friends, but then it's very different other ways too. So uh, Cassie, you saw 22 Jump Street as well. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, that was just, I didn't get to say all my thoughts, but what are, what did, what did you think of it? Did
0: you, you, were you satisfied? I liked it a lot and there are some parts I didn't like, so, you know. Such is life. My, my classic review is that it was fine. I I laughed.
1: I laughed. I laughed a a lot. I had a good time. I laughed a lot. I had a great time. And I think in ways it might've even improved upon the first movie.
0: I think so. I thought it was a better, I thought it was better than the first one.
1: Yeah. I don't. I really liked the first one a lot. I remember when I saw it for the first time ever, I had a weird experience that time because I went with a few friends and they – we all arrived. <laughs> they all – okay, so the story was the first time I saw it, I had really low expectations for it, and but I knew it was really popular. So I bought my ticket online before and my friends all decided, oh, no, we'll just wing it. We'll get it at the door. So normally when you do that, you want to arrive like 20 minutes early. I'm very anal about getting the movies on time. But um, they all decided, no, we're going to leave 10 minutes before the movie starts. So we get there. It takes us another 10 minutes to find parking. We get in. There's a line around the door. And then it just says, 21 Jump Street, sold out. Um, I got my <laughs> ticket from the machine. I'm holding it in my hands. They all just tell me, okay, just go. So I walk into the movie. I'm really pissed off. It's like it's already started for five – it's already five minutes in, and I'm like I don't – I would never sit through a movie that, that that's like five – it's already five minutes in. But I sat there, and I was in a theater, a packed theater filled with strangers, and I laughed so hard, and I had I could not – I could not emphasize enough what a great time I had. It was just so unexpected. The drug trip sequence, which I think later might have been outmatched in hilarity by another drug trip sequence with Jonah Hill, the Wolf of Wall Street one. But oh, yeah. oh my god. It's it's amazing that Jonah Hill's been in three hilarious drug trip sequences because of course there's another one in this. So yeah, yeah I was I figured that why why try and risk it again? Just the first twenty one jump street is kind of a miracle of a movie. But the second one is like again is a miracle again, and I think it's even better. There were, I think I don't know, I think the first one didn't hold up as much on repeat viewings. It's still funny, but I don't yeah. know. Like sometimes you heard the joke once.
0: Yeah, um, I think this one, every line, every line and every view tried to take advantage of referencing itself, Yes. and I like, I thought that was really funny, it reminded me a lot of The Simpsons, actually, because they were on a college campus, and the thing that most reminded me of The Simpsons is that all the buildings were sort of named, like, little puns, and I liked that, I was like... "Mm that's like, I don't know.
1: The one that probably everyone, I didn't know the first time, but I should have, is that there's this little fake Benny Hill chase that happens, and it happens in front of the Benjamin Hill library.
0: Mm-hmm. Which and were- there's some, like, building, it's like the Helvetica design lab or something, I don't know. But, it, I don't know. But either, I, I just, like, that's come funny. on, any, I just, like,
1: on TV, you can do that a lot more, and, like concentrate on the little details because you have so much time to build a world but like it's harder to do that in movies and I really love the fact that they actually bothered to do this because they turned just a little reboot into like its own little unit its own little like world yeah there's a, it's c- really cool. there's a city called Metro City
0: yeah one of the really cool running jokes throughout the movie was that um that um the budget was getting yes. out of control. <laughs> <laughs> it was really funny. So they kept. But,
1: yeah. There's a car chase. And they keep saying like. Don't. They, they say. Let's go this way. It'll be cheaper. We'll destroy less stuff. And then they end up destroying more stuff. And the budget goes through the roof. Yeah. But yeah. It's I lo- really funny. Like it's very. It's kind of like. It's meta humor. That I think anybody can kind of get behind. Which is great. Yeah, It's part of what I love about Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Who directed this. Who holy shit. They did both the Lego movie and 22 Jump Street in one year.
0: Yeah. And they also produced Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, too.
1: That's, that's true. They did do that as well. They also directed the pilot of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. These guys are, these guys are a hot commodity right now. Yeah. but yeah. And, yeah. They did two movies that opened the box office grossing $60 million, both shattering all expectations. They could pretty much turn anything into gold at this point. Hopefully. I don't know. That's... There are some drawbacks to this movie. And uh what would you say those drawbacks are?
0: Well, I recently wrote a thousand word essay on this, but um
1: on screenrobot.com.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um <laughs> Um there's um there's this portion um one of the jokes that connected twenty one Jump Street to twenty two Jump Street were the use of gay slurs and how it's not okay to say them anymore. And, um, in, um, in college, Channing Tatum's, like, sort of stupid, bumbling caveman character takes a human <laughs> sexuality class, and he realizes that it's not okay to use gay slurs, and then someone says, but someone uses a gay slur against him, and he's like, it's 2014, it's not okay, and it feels really out of place as this, this scene. But in the whole movie, um, the whole movie sort of is mocking the homoeroticism between Janko Schmidt and this other character named Zook. Zook, yeah,
1: Zook is his name. Because Zook and Channing Tatum are like the same. Zook and Janko are the same person.
0: Yeah, and essentially the joke is, ha ha ha, wouldn't be ridiculous if they were gay? They're not. We're just going to dance around the issue a lot. And then they like do this weird like self-aggrandizing anti-homophobia scene that just feels really out of place and I don't think that part can speak for the whole and I see what they're trying to do and be ironic but they failed it's so. weird because most of the movie
1: I think is really I think one thing that 22 Jump Street over 21 Jump Street is that um, 21 Jump Street like tried half to be self-aware and half sincere and mm-hmm. 22 Jump Street just said fuck it and went self-aware all the way and I think that's yeah. what sells it but like Somet- I guess there's that one scene that doesn't completely work out. I don't know if it bothered me as much as you, but it's definitely an interesting issue as far to bring up in comedies. Because there's a lot that mine from that joke of, like, friendships that are basically romances. If you look at I Love You Man, that whole movie is basically a romantic comedy about two men who are best friends, but
0: yeah. in love
1: in weird ways.
0: Yeah, so I don't know. I think it was trying to comment on that yeah. trope but didn't really do it. They didn't really carry it out. And well enough. But they carry it, they
1: they tried with at least they kind of at least they were aware that that trope exists and didn't try to just mine into it. They didn't try to get it they didn't try and get a cheap joke out of it. Kind of.
0: Yeah, yeah. kind of they kind of did.
1: Yeah, that was that was the one instance, but yeah. I think you're yeah. right. It's an interesting point, but I don't know. Overall, most of the laughs in this are earned. Um, not to completely turn it away from that really interesting topic, but I just wanted to point out that Ice Cube in this movie, I just gave a thumbs up. You can't see yeah. that over the audio. Uh, he has one. He has one scene where he gets really angry at a at a luncheon. And throws a bunch of string beans on his plate, and it's just such a brilliant moment of physical comedy. The whole thing is it just melts down more and more and more.
0: Ice Cube's really funny.
1: Yeah, he is hilarious. Yeah. I mean, we don't. Maybe you don't see the full display of his talent, in are we there yet? But <laughs> there is there is a lot there. He's he's really great. I think they let him do a lot more in this one than they did in the first one. Yeah. But yeah, that that was really great. Um, do you have any other thoughts on Twenty Two Jump Street?
0: fine.
1: Would you would you recommend it, everybody go see it?
0: Yeah, I laughed a lot during it, actually. it's probably the most I laughed out loud in a movie in a while. Yep. So, um, if you like Joy, then maybe go see it. Yeah, I'll, I'll tag on to what she said.
1: Uh, overall, this is, uh, so far, the best movie I've seen this summer. Most enjoyable blockbuster I laughed the most. Um, I think it's going to hold up really well on repeat viewings. Uh, thank you, Phil Lauren, and Chris Miller. Keep, stay golden, whatever they say. Overall, uh, go see 22 Jump Street. Anyway, uh, that wraps up our review of 22 Jump Street. Don't turn that dial. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Real Deal Podcast, everybody. Uh, We just want to talk about what else we've been watching this week because there's a lot of content out there and we want to try and mention as much of it as we can. So, uh, Cassie, you've been talking about this uh, new TV show you've been watching. Uh, Do you want to talk a little bit about it?
0: Yeah, I actually haven't been watching a lot of it because it's not actually released yet, but one of the episodes is online. And it's called Almost Royal and it's on BBC America. And it's so funny. Um... So it's at first I thought it was a real reality show, but then I realized it was a fake reality show. How sort of. How long
1: did it take to realize that while watching the episode? <laughs> about
0: two minutes. But, <laughs> but, but I actually it was I thought it was real before I started watching an episode. Um, it's called Almost Royal. It's on BBC America. And the premise is that these two um, aristocrats from England are visiting America for the first time. So it's like a little like Borat. And their names are Poppy and Georgie, which is like my English thing. And they were like, to promote the show, they did this thing where they went to um, do um, famous videos with famous YouTubers like um, My Drunk Kitchen and You Deserve a Drink, and Grace, whatever her last name is. I'm not sure who they are. Oh, well, um,. I am sure who they okay. are, though. So... I believe you. That's all that matters. Yeah. And they were just so funny, and I was like, wow, these two are so deadpan, and, like, right on. And then I started watching more videos, and I realized that it was scripted, because they were saying, like, the perfect things. And I looked it up, and it's so funny. Weren it's you... so funny. Wait,
1: is this the... You were talking about another show? Was this the same show... With the same girl or different British show where... Different British person. Where they go into, oh, where they go into, like, real situations, but, like, they act like characters.
0: This is the same show, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, sorry, I was talking about a lot of British things with Ian the other day, but... Um, yeah, so
1: I get them mixed up.
0: So in the first episode, they go to Boston, and I think they're going to go to a different city every episode or something. And the first episode's on BBC America's YouTube channel, so you can watch it. Before it premieres on june twenty first and they go to Boston. the first thing they do is go to a tea party meeting and there's all real people who i mean they've all like agreed to be consented to film, and I'm sure they know it's a fake show, but I think the things they said to them just like really caught them off guard like the brother Georgie goes up and does a speech about how hunting is like cricket for like forty five minutes and <laughs> it's hilarious. It's so funny. Um, uh, British British shows are great
1: and should be watched more in America. Also, BBC America—they're doing good things. Orphan Black and yeah,
0: the Orphan the season finale of Orphan Black is going to be this show's lead-in. So if you watch Orphan Black, just keep watching and watch this show because it's so funny.
1: I've got to get caught on Orphan Black. I'm watching another show with Black in the title right now. It's on Netflix. Maybe you've heard of it, but yeah. It's so orphan what
0: Black. are you watching?
1: Um. So. Recently, I went to go see Edge of Tomorrow, which is the new Tom Cruise movie that's out. Now, I'm just curious, Cassie, when you saw the trailer for Edge of Tomorrow, what was your interest level for this movie?
0: I don't really like movies like this, but I like... Oh, I thought Emily you were about to Blunt.
1: say I don't like movies.
0: Oh, yeah, I don't like movies at all. But I like, I like Emily Blunt, so my interest level was at about 6.4.
1: Okay. Um, out, I, out of 10. Yes. <laughs> I had, I was maybe about the same, but like a little less. It just – this movie did not look great, but it was one of those movies I don't think Hollywood knew how to do with it. It's an original idea, and it's a very – I don't like it just because it's an original idea. It's a very cool movie. Um, it's been pitched a lot as sci- as a, like a Groundhog Day set in the future, <laughs> yeah. and I think that's a little inaccurate. It's about the same day repeating over and over again, but it's a little more existential. I think that – not more existential than Groundhog Day, but it covers different – thematic ground. So it's about Tom Cruise playing a soldier in the future. Do you and... think
0: it's a I have this I just thought of this, but do you think it could possibly be, be like a commentary on the monotony of sci-fi blockbusters like this? Huh.
1: That's that's actually very I haven't thought about that. That's an interesting idea.
0: Hmm. These robot suit movies about like dystopia and like it one does... Look, oh, yeah. it
1: just it when I first it looks like it looked like Pacific Rim the first 10 minutes of the movie like Pacific Rim is like lots of newsreel footage of different commentators talking about the world ending and generals and stuff and them being like this is our last ditch effort war and it's about these troops that are about to fight these aliens like in this big battle that's supposed to be a fixed battle and then Tom Cruise goes to fight in it and then suddenly spoiler kind of spoiler alert he dies but then suddenly he wakes up again and the day is started over again mm-hmm. and he keeps finding out more and more but the thing is it's not the same event over and over again if you ever saw the movie source code that's kind of like that where they literally go through the same events over and over again the day keeps changing and it's about his rela- his relationship or friendship professional relationship whatever with emily blunt um there's some really cool stuff about like, about time, the consequences of time travel and the idea that you can kind of, if you had the power to change time and, like, fix your mistakes, what would you do? Like, what would you sacrifice and what wouldn't you? And it's really suspenseful. It looks really awesome. The aliens are pretty terrifying in it. There's some, like, kind of annoying pockets of exposition where they kind of explain too much and becomes a little too convoluted, but I think you're going to get over it, because it's a lot of fun, and it's better than a lot of other blockbusters I've seen. I I enjoyed watching it. Good. So, I'm interested in seeing this Almost Royal when it comes out. That's so funny. I do like British comedy.
0: And it's it's young people, too. I don't don't know if I made that clear, (laughs) because
1: a lot of...
0: All all British people People are old old and boring. Yes, yes. These people are, like, young and attractive and really funny, which is encouraging. Why is it
1: that every time I hear a British accent, I feel like it's an old person? I don't know. It's very weird. Okay, so... What?
0: I don't know. Hang on.
1: (laughs) You continue speaking. Technical difficulties. We're having a little... Oh, oh, technical difficulties. Nothing is technical
0: difficulties, because... (laughs) It's just sound. Not, you know.
1: <laughs> sound is a technical thing, according to science. Yeah, but the sound was fine. Okay, okay. Um. So anyway, yeah, <sighs> these are two very different things, Almost Royal and Edge of Tomorrow. Uh, watch Almost Royal when it's on TV- on BBC America. And- or online. Or online. I think it'll
0: be online.
1: That too. And go see Edge of Tomorrow in theaters, because unfortunately it's not doing well, and you should contribute your money and let Hollywood know that it's okay to do original ideas sometimes. Yeah. Okay. Before we go, as always, we like to end the show with a little question. Uh, this is kind of a, this is a very fun one we have this week. So, um, it was revealed today that Ben and Jerry's will be releasing two new ice cream flavors, which is always exciting. Honestly, um, I'm lactose intolerant, can't have ice cream anymore. And I still get excited about the Ben and Jerry's flavors. But uh, this week they they've decided to release two Saturday Night Live themed uh, ice creams. One of them is Gilly themed, mm-hmm. and the other one is Lazy Sunday themed. So Cassie and I decide it would be a lot of fun to make our own uh, pop culture based Ben and Jerry's flavors. Uh, some of their other ones they did a Thirty Rock flavor that was Greek yogurt. Uh, they yeah, have Steven. Stephen Colbert. Yeah, and lemon of course because Liz lemon sweaty
0: balls. They have is that do they actually do a Shreddy Balls one? Uh, yeah, I think it was limited edition. Yeah, That's... and
1: then they have Stephen Colbert's Americone Dream.
0: Late Night uh, Snack.
1: Which is Jimmy Fallon's. Yeah. So they have some awesome ones. Um, so if I had it, um, this was actually a really hard one to come up with, but I decided that it would be a Pulp Fiction-themed uh, ice cream that would be orange sherbet with pulp in it, because oranges have pulp, and Pulp Fiction, there's the word pulp in the title. Good job. No cocaine included, though. Oh. Um, Cassie, what would your uh, ideal flavor for Ben and Jerry's be?
0: This is just a silly pun that I thought of because I'm bad at thinking of real puns, but it would be called Ann's Perkin' Me Up, based off of Ann Perkins from Parks and Recreation, and it would be coffee flavor because coffee perks you up.
1: Okay, I would love that. You need a, you need sometimes you need a late night snack, but you also want to mm-hmm. have some coffee. Yeah, you want to eat a whole carton, but you want to stay awake.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of another one, but I'm not good at it. Well, my favorite flavor of ice cream is cookies and cream. So if anyone that's can think my favorite, of, that's my favorite too. You can't even eat ice cream, so shh. I can eat. <laughs> so any of our loyal viewers <laughs> out there can think of. <laughs>
1: I can cook- still appreciate ice cream and not I'm eat it. I'm trying
0: to plead to the listeners to think of a cookies and cream yes. culture pun.
1: Um, please do. Um, if you do, make it not Cookie Monster because make it something...
0: That's stupid. They yeah, wouldn't exactly. do that.
1: Just, just making Our sure... Our
0: moms and your your sisters wouldn't do that. <laughs> no. No, we would not. But um... That's the people who listen to this podcast.
1: Yes. Yes, thank you to all of our listeners, all five of them or whatever. Um, Okay, so if you do have a cookies and cream-inspired ice cream pun or any Ben & Jerry's Flavors idea at all, uh, you know the drill. Email them to ian, I-A-N, at real, R-E-E-L, dealblog.com. That's ian at realdealblog.com. We want to hear what uh, Ben & Jerry's Ice Cream Flavors you have in mind. We don't have any pull in Vermont, but it'll give us a it'll make us have fun. So uh yeah. that uh that concludes the episode for this week. Um Cassie, where can people find you in the meantime on the interwebs?
0: On well, the internet is where I live. I live here in real life and there <laughs> on the internet. But I you can follow me on Twitter at Cassie Grimaldi. And that's a thing you can do, and you can read my writing on this website called Screen Robot, and I have just put out some, uh, some uh, hand, uh, handy little articles about um, uh, 22 Jump Street and Orange is New Black and something else, but I forgot what it was.
1: Okay. That, we, will, we, will, <laughs> we will all look out for them on Screen Robot. Um, sure. As always, you could find me at realdealblog.com, R-E-E-L dealblog.com that's realdealblog.com uh, you can go back and find over like 6 years worth of archives on there um, you can check out my recent review of 22 Jump Street and currently i'm working on a piece about the most memorable movie dogs which might be up by the time this podcast goes up it's kind of it's either a passion project or the most point it's either a passion project or the most pointless thing i've ever written and I'm really excited or for both. you all to read that or both and also on the Real Deal website you can find old podcast episodes the recent Game of Thrones episodes etc and remember to subscribe to us on iTunes just remember to look for the, this the Real Deal not the Real Deal the one that reviewed Borat in 2006 because yeah. we weren't doing this in 2006 we didn't know who each other was yeah. okay that concludes our episode of the week Thank you so much for listening and as always 3 keep it top, real. 1 keep it real I think we timed that right keep it real
0: I think it I think it came out together
1: We they we came together Mhm And goodbye,
0: goodbye. goodbye.